Well, don't be afraid to pay higher costs because you're likely to be able to pass those higher costs on to your uh, consumers. Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, hey guys. Welcome back to the ZonCon podcast. I am Andrew Erickson. As always, your host, I am here with a professor of economics, Christopher Erickson, who is a professor of economics at New Mexico State University. And many of you may notice that he has the same last name as me. That is because he is my father. (laughs) So, Dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm always happy to come on. I should say welcome back to the podcast because you've been on many times. I think you're my number one guest so far. Well, that's because I'm all, I'm a big ham, and I'm always I'm always interested in finding a mic in a in a camera. Yep, and, and you always complain that my audio isn't like the best quality, and yet I sent you a really nice microphone, and you you don't have it with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here, and we're excited to talk about inflation. What is inflation? Is it a big scary thing? Is it a good thing? Is it something that affects me day to day or my business day to day? So why don't we jump in right away and give us, tell us, what is inflation? Well, the, the classic definition of inflation is a general sustained increase in prices on average over time. And there's a couple of elements of that definition. First of all, is a general increase in prices. So we're talking about prices across a broad category of, of goods and services. Second is sustained over time, meaning that we're that that if it's just a one-time blip, we don't really consider that inflation. That's just a price increase, and that can be that one-time blip could be caused by a lot of factors that we don't need to worry about, like you know the Mississippi floods and, and you can't get barges up mm-hmm. and down the river, or um, or there's other things that could cause it. Besides, you know, the classic example is uh, OPEC. Uh, engineered increases in oil prices back in the 70s and 80s, and then um, and then uh, the, the the and then the fact that it's sustained, that's when we start to worry about. So inflation is that thing when your parents or your grandparents said, you know, back in my day, a a candy bar cost a nickel, a home cost fifty thousand dollars, and a ca- a car cost uh, uh three thousand dollars, and nowadays they're worth uh ten, they cost ten times that price, right? Yeah, that's right. And so when you have this generalized increase in prices uh, on a sustained basis over time, that's what we mean by inflation. And in the United States, inflation has been around. Two and a half percent on average since World War II. Two and a half percent. Okay, so that's a good number to know. Two and a half percent. What about in the last, like, the last ten years, thirty years? Since the Great Recession, the inflation rate has been lower on, in general, and it's been uh, at uh, something like one point eight two percent, two point two percent over that period of time. Uh, of course, it's never constant. It goes up, it goes down. There are there are there are transitory factors that can affect inflation. Again, we don't really worry about those. It's when you have a sustained increase over time that we're concerned. Okay, 
So, and how, how do we measure these things too? Like how, I mean, if I, I see that the monthly or the annual or the decade or whatever, like how do we, how do we know though? <laughs> there isn't like well, a, it's not like a thermometer, right? Right. Well, there is kind of a thermometer okay. right? and, it, and there's a uh, different measures of the price level. Now the price level is the average price of a, of a good or service across a broad range of goods and services. The one that's most commonly used that you hear about in the news the most is the consumer price index, which is a measure of, cons- of the price of consumer goods, hence the term consumer price index. And it is very commonly used, but economists don't like it that much because it has a number of very technical issues. And so what economists tend to focus on, and this is what the Federal Reserve focuses on when they're, when they're talking about inflation targets, is the personal consumption expenditure deflator. And a deflator is just a different term for index. It's uh, just a a measure of the average. But it's across all consumer goods, not just the subset that goes into the basket of the CPI. CPI is much narrower, and the personal consumption expenditure deflator is as broad as possible. It's all good. It's all consumer goods and services. All consumers. So is, this, um, is this so? Consumer would be like an individual person just going out and buying stuff. Yes, household. Right. Households household. are okay. consumers. So what? What? Yeah, so this is like a gallon of milk and like a gallon of gas and stuff. Yeah, gallon of milk, gallon of gas. Uh, and it's weighted by the uh, by the share and the and in, in the budget of that product. So you know you don't you spend more on gasoline than you do on milk. So gasoline gets a bigger weight than milk. Okay. And is this like, is this just like some dude they found or is it like the median American or the average American? I know median and average well, are actually kind so of different, right? For, for the CPI, it's done based on a survey of people in different groups. They have one CPI for people living in Las Cruces, New Mexico, another CPI for people living in San Diego. A very common CPI that you see talked about in the news is the consumer price index for all urban dwellers. Mm. And that's, you know, what it sounds like is for everyone living in the city in the United States on average. And they do a survey, they, they survey these groups to see what they're buying, what, what their what their typical purchases are. And then they go out and they look at the price of those typical purchases. And they say, how much did those that that price go up? And that's how they measure inflation. So generally, like an American family that is making what's median 70,000? Median income in the United States right now, I have to look up the exact number, but it's something like dollars $62, $63, $62. a year. Okay, so regular boring family buying regular boring stuff who makes like sixty-ish thousand dollars. How much money are they spending on like their their housing costs and they're buying a gallon of milk and buying some bread and what about like buying an iPhone? Because like the iPhone today is like way better than the iPhone five years ago, right? Uh, well, that's a really good question, and that's one of the reasons why we focus on why economists like to focus on the personal consumption expenditure deflator because that isn't a survey. That's just everything that's sold in the economy that's a consumer or a service. That's just everything, and it's part. It's a subcategory of GDP, and of course, GDP is all final goods and services. Consumer price expenditures, all consumer goods. And they don't, they don't really care. Now, the, the disadvantage of it is they don't care if you live in a city or if you live in Las Cruces or where, where you're at. They just use all of them. Cool. When you talk about quality, that's one of the problems with the CPI 
and also with the consumer expenditure numbers is because it really doesn't adequately take account of increases in quality. Mm. In fact, if you really want to know, those increases in quality also make GDP numbers suspect because GDP doesn't take into account quality. And so the way economists get around this is that some things we can adjust for quality, and we do that. So some things we can adjust for quality. Yeah. So, for example, instead of talking about the price of a computer, we might talk about the price of a unit of memory. But then other things we can't correct for, it's very difficult, for example, to correct for the quality of a car. I mean, my car now has a dynamic cruise control and lane assist and all these sorts of things that really weren't available 10 years ago, or if they were available only on the very most high-quality cars, high-electric high, high and luxury cars. And so the solution to that, economists say, is don't try to compare the numbers from 1945 to the numbers in, in 2021. It's just not a good comparison because the world has changed so much that you really can't, you're really talking apples and oranges. So you don't really, so when I, you're I see these uh, index, these inflation index things that go back to like 1822 and Rockefeller was building railroads or something, whatever Rockefeller did. Yeah. And like, yeah, and they, he they, had, you know, he bought a sarsaparilla for three cents. That doesn't really mean anything. That three cents. It doesn't mean anything because no one buys sarsaparillas anymore. <laughs> and, and yeah. And so the solution is to keep the comparison down to relatively short periods. Five years, 10 years, you're probably okay. 20 years, you know, really think about the way things were 20 years ago. Is, is that really, was that really the same economy we're in now? And then, of course, the longer the time period, you, like you said, your extreme case, compare a sarsaparilla to uh, energy drink. Not really the same thing. I, I heard, uh, here's another index I like too, that uh, it's a little bit more, less technical. It's a little bit more easy to, more tangible. It's much more tangible. The Big Mac Index. Yes. Yeah. So my understanding of the Big Mac Index is you look at just Big Mac. Big Mac is from McDonald's. It's branded. It's technical. It's been the same recipe, the same everything for whatever, 60 years or something. And yeah. it goes across countries too. It's it's effectively the same ingredients, close enough to the same, the same effective product uh, across many, many countries. And you can look and see... How much has a McDonald's Big Mac gone up year by year, decade by decade, and country by country? And you can kind of measure, get an idea of like, okay, well, today it's worth four, it's four bucks. Ten years ago, it was $3. In, in Argentina, it was 100 pesos five years ago, and now it's 200 pesos. So inflation has gone up, has doubled in the last 10 years in Argentina, for example. Yeah, the Argentine should be so lucky. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Argentina's like hundred. Yeah. yeah, cool. All right, well, let's let's um, now. I think we have a good concept now of what inflation is. It's basically everything getting a little bit more expensive as time goes on, right? Yep. So let's get in the meat of it. Is inflation is hyperinflation happening today, right now, with all yeah. these like U.S. government printing trillions, trillion with a big capital T? Is it happening right now? Yeah, there's no hyperinflation in the United States, none on the horizon, no credible person would call that. Now, you might say, what's the definition of hyperinflation? I There's a number of different definitions. The kind of the technical wonky definition is a loss in confidence in the currency, and we are nowhere near that. The You might say, well, that's kind of a, kind of a touchy-feely, fuzzy definition. So what's another definition that's a little bit more concrete? And the answer would be, 
100% inflation per month. Maybe someone else might say, well, 10% inflation per month, which is about 18, about, about 20 times price level increase per year, or well, 2,000% per year. I think that's 20 times, right? Yeah, I think that's right. That would be, you know, another definition. It is well, uh, I will tell really you, rapid inflation. I will tell you that I am, we're trying to get into a nice little family home. We have some, some news that may be good. Hopefully not nothing official yet, but it looks like we're, we might be moving into a new family home pretty soon. We started our search in November of 2020 and we were looking at houses and you see this little 1% bump and San Diego is going about 1% every two or three months or so, right? It has been for last whatever. And I will tell you, I've felt from bidding and looking at houses over the last six months that the housing prices have gone up 10 or 20% just in the lot from January to April. Is that not hyperinflation? No, that's rapid inflation. Rapid that's inflation. Faster okay. inflation than we're used to. Are we, are we experiencing rapid inflation, inflation then across the economy right now? <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you a question. If you go to the grocery store and you offer them a dollar bills for milk, will they give it to you? Yes. That's then we're not in hyperinflation. There you go. Hyperinflation is when you go to the grocery store and they say, no, I want a silver coin, not dollar bills. Uh, that's hyperinflation. Okay. Or actually what really happens around the world is people, you go to the grocery store with the local peso or the lira or something like that or the local pound. And they say, oh, no, I want U.S. dollars because U.S. dollars are, in fact, the standard currency used throughout the world. And it's, it, we call it's called the currency substitution. You substitute the U.S. dollars for transactions rather than using the local currency. That's hyperinflation. Hmm. Say, oh, the price of gas, uh, the price of gasoline's gone up ten cents. <laughs> like I said, Argentina should be so much. So, some random YouTuber told me that the U.S. dollar is collapsing and everyone's putting all their money into Bitcoin and some other random alternative coin, crypto coin. Is that so? You don't think that random dude is correct? That the, no, everyone's leaving, fleeing from the U.S. dollar. No, I don't think that guy is correct. Now, uh, we could talk about Bitcoin uh, <laughs> at some other time, but uh, I won't tell you about the birthday gift my son gave me as a joke, which is $100 of the Bitcoin that's now worth $13,000, <laughs> which is which is a good joke on me because I'm not a big believer in Bitcoin. I think it's a bad and not likely to sustain. It, but, you know, I know there's lots of people out there in, in podcast land who disagree with <laughs> So, but okay, now I want to. So, but do you think we're experiencing hyperinflation right now? Yeah. So this two percent number that you hit on, do you think we're going to feel that is going to be? Two, is two, that number going to be three percent so, or twenty percent so this coming year? We are in a period of relatively rapid inflation. In fact, last month, according to CPI, which is available monthly, we saw the most rapid inflation in about a decade. In fact, probably about fifteen years. And so, but the last decade it, was was really low inflation rate. Yes. So we've had a period of very low inflation, and now we just had one month of, if it was sustained for, for 20 years, it would be bad. Okay. We had one month of higher than expected inflation. And I expect the inflation rate, which has been averaging slightly less than 2%, I expect the inflation rate to accelerate to about 3%. Okay. Okay. And, and so that's... You know, not quite a hundred percent, maybe an eighty percent increase in inflation over what we've had in the last little while. Uh, and I, and when I say that, when I give you that forecast, I think that that's consistent 
with the forecast that other economists would give you, that's a pretty mainstream center, you know, center of the bell curve kind of estimate of what economists think is going to happen. But if you ask me, will it accelerate to 10%? No, not in the foreseeable future. Now, could it accelerate to 10% in five years from now? Sure, but the five years from now is not the foreseeable future. Okay. Yep. Okay. You know, and but I, I expect it to, like I said, go to as much, average as much as 3% over the, say, the next 24 months. Okay. So so the last decade was really relatively low inflation yeah, rate. And now we're, we're seeing too low. So it's, so like right now we're kind of like this last month having hyper like a little bit more than average. It's kind of like being the, the oldest baby or the tallest dwarf, right? It's not that impressive. <laughs> exactly. That's a good way of putting it, being the tallest dwarf. Yeah, yeah. it is uh, still very, very modest by world standards uh, and by historical standards in the United States. Because I remember in the 1980s, I know you can't tell from my gray hair that I'm old enough to remember the 1980s, but I remember the 1980s when I had just graduated from college and the inflation was running 12, 13, 14% a year in the United States. And, and that was significant because that's when you start getting to a rate of inflation where you really have to think, I had to do something to protect my assets from inflation. I had to do something to protect myself. And that starts imposing real costs on the economy as people are you know, spending time adjusting their portfolio instead of spending time, I don't know, writing software. And I don't think we're even close to that. So people are saying, well, we have a large deficit. We have all this expansion of monetary. We have this large deficit. We have expansion in money supply. And we have all of this stimulative stimulation going in the economy. And isn't that going to cause inflation? Well. Short answer is yes. I already said it's going to go from a little less than 2% to around 3%. But I think they're really talking, are we are we moving into a period of very high inflation like we had back in the early 1980s, late 1970s? And I think it's very unlikely. And, if you, and, and you know, So Milton Friedman had this theory where he said that inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. And he said that when you increase money supply by 10%, you're going to increase prices by 10%. There's this very close lock, he said, between expansion of the money supply by the Federal Reserve and inflation. And that increase in money supply, we, we printed, was it $3 trillion the last 12 months? Yeah, you're, you're talking about the deficit. The deficit is, all, is actually more borrowing than printing. But we did print a lot of money in the last 12 months. And you know, inflation, interest okay. rates are very low, as, which explains also why housing prices are but interest rates are very low, and that's because of a, of a very, very aggressive expansion by the Federal Reserve to bring interest rates down. And that that is increasing the liquidity of the system, which potentially more liquidity, people have more money in their pocket, they can go out and buy more things, and that drives prices up. And that's the classic argument for inflation. But, I, you know, we talked about Bitcoin already, and and. There's also, I don't know if you know this, but there's way more computers now than there were in the 1980s. Remember, Milton Friedman developed his theory in the 1960s, and it worked really well in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, and it broke down in the 90s, and it further became less good at predicting the economy in the, in the, in the teens, and now we're in the 20s, and I really think, or not really think, I know 
that that theory of well, it's just if you print money, you're going to have inflation, just isn't valid anymore. Because among other things, instead of going out and buying uh, more milk and driving up the price of milk, or buying cars and driving up the price of cars, people buy Bitcoin and drive up the price of Bitcoin. And Bitcoin doesn't cause inflation because you don't consume Bitcoins. You, you, I don't know what you do with Bitcoins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so so we print or borrow all this money, and it's not affecting. What what does generally affect inflation? Well, what will affect inflation? One thing is not the deficit, but government spending. So if the government starts spending a lot on goods and services, and there aren't goods and services out there to buy, and the government starts bidding up the price, then that will cause inflation. And 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 we have seen that happen in the past. Another thing that could cause inflation is as the economy recovers, which is happening right now, as the economy recovers and people are trying to hire workers, people are trying to get inventory, people are trying to and people who produce inventory are trying to get raw materials, that could bid prices up as we recover. And as we recover, if you bid price that could bid prices up and that could cause inflation. And and let's be clear, that process I just talked about of the recovery happening and people hiring people and people bidding up price of raw materials and, and labor and such, that's a good thing. That means the end of the recession. That's a good thing. And the inflation that's likely to happen from that is likely to be very transitory, that as the supply chain starts ramping up again, as people start moving back into the labor force, as all of this is happening, we should see that inflationary spurt um, dissipate as goods and services go on. You know, just to illustrate what I'm talking about, think what, what the price of a uh, hand lotion was back in uh, March of 2020. It was very expensive. I think I bought a, I think I bought a, a, a large, it was a large bottle, but I think I bought a bottle for $20. Oh, hand sanitizer. Yeah, yeah, hand yeah. It, it was almost. It was basically impossible to get. Back it was basically then. impossible to get. It was like you know, it was like that. Like it was reasonable large size. You know what I saw in the grocery store a couple of days ago? Three for a dollar. You know, just short of giving them away. And that's the beauty of the capitalist system. And right now we have shortages of labor. That people are well, we don't have enough waitresses and, and waiters, and so. Restaurants are having trouble reopening. Uh, you know, um, we don't have enough uh, shipping containers, so businesses are having difficulty shipping inventory from China. We have all these these stories you're hearing, and those are bidding up the price. Those are going to cause short-term price increases. But as the capitalist system works out the bug, as the supply chain comes back online, as we get that, um, you know, the, the, sometimes you hear the term stuff the tube, as we stuff the tube and we have product moving through it at all steps, we are going to end up, that will automatically eliminate this inflationary pressure. Uh, one of the things you hear sometimes said is the solution to high prices is high prices because you bring supply online and uh, that leads to lower prices. Got it. Okay, let's dive into practical advice for small business owners. Okay, so now we're talking to someone who is dealing with international trade, hiring people, they have cash and they have debt, and they also are selling into marketplaces. And so, you know, selling in the on the free market, right? So how is inflation, 
let, let's just give advice to them right now. 20, you know, here we are the first, basically the middle of 2021. What kind of advice should we give them uh, now that we're in this new 3%, 3-ish percent inflation paradigm? Well, first of all, of course, if you're running a business, a lot of times it's the microeconomic issues that are more important than the macroeconomic issues. But what you can do is when you look at and you see that there's inflation, you see that there, it, it's a good idea to try to figure out what's causing it. Is it because there's too high a demand in the economy? And that appears not to be the problem right now. Is it because there's supply issues? And that does appear to be the problem right now. And now that you realize that there's a lot of supply issues out there, then you have to think, okay, how does this affect my supply chain? And, and it may not even be your direct supply chain. It may be the supply chain of your supplier that's being affected that you really you may not be that visible to you. And so recognizing this, Obvious thing, and of course, every business is different. I'm not going to be, I, I can't be specific, but I can say in general, allow more time for deliveries, take into account those issues. And then also remember that when there's inflation and inflation is going on, it's much easier to pass on cost or prices. So if you have an increase in cost, you are more likely to be able to pass that on as a price increase than you would be in an, in an era of, of uh, stable or very low inflation. And um, and so um, um, and so you say, oh, man, I don't know if I can pass on that price. Well, again, you know, just like they say, everything, all real estate is local. The same thing as with business, all all businesses buy. It depends on your competitors. But you should be able to price on pass on price increase, uh, cost increases easier as price increases. And of course, in. To the extent that you hire people in the United States, you can be expected to pay a higher wage because wages are going up also right now. Um, and so that that's the advice I'd give. Expect to pay more, but expect to be able to pass those prices on relatively easy. Of course, your customers never want you to pass on price uh, costs, but you know you want to stay in business, you may have to, or likely will have to. Got it. Okay, so you think, so as long as we're playing in the short term, and we're we're kind of making decisions that have that affect us one you know tomorrow one month six months from now that generally inflation doesn't affect us too much because well, we're... I, yeah I agree with that I think that three three percent inflation is different from one point eight percent inflation one point eight percent and again I don't want to get too far in the weeds although if someone wants to send me an email I'd be happy to get in the weeds with them uh, sure. but. <laughs> But if uh, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but really, two percent inflation is really zero inflation, and and that's for very technical reasons that the measured inflation is actually overstates inflation. We already mentioned one reason is because of um, uh, quality issues, um, and then another reason is because people are able to adjust their purchases to shift from high price goods to low price goods, and that actually is very effective at reducing the measured inflation to an individual. So, so I guess one thing I'm curious about, if we're thinking on the one day, one month, six month scale, and you said that we have supply constraints and this and that, whatever, we can pass those things on to our customers. Like that's, that's good in the short term in the next few months. But what about debt? Cause a lot of oh. my, a lot of my colleagues, whatever people in my space <laughs> with me, they got offered this. If you're an American business owner and you're open in 2019, you just got, you probably got an email 
from the SBA, the Small Business Administration Department, asking you to increase your EIDL loan from like, you can like take on another $300,000 at three and a half percent interest. And so like, if you, if you haven't looked, if you're an American and you did any type of PPP or EIDL, which is the government stimulus thing to help small businesses, if you did any of those things, check your email right now to see if you got that offer. If you want to take it, I'm not saying you should, I'm, I'm going to ask in a second if you should, but check your email for those offers. Now you tell me, Professor Erickson, that what offered a $300,000 loan for business at three and a half percent interest, considering inflation is likely to be three-ish percent, what should I do with that? Should I take that debt? And does it make sense to take that debt? Am I dumb if I don't? Well, I would take it and I would use it to uh, fund business operations and I would use it to, it will allow you uh, some uh, degrees of freedom in terms of taking bras on the business or offer you some degrees of freedom in terms of other, um, you know, of other uses. So, but 3%, 3% loan is very, for business, is very generous terms in this environment. Because if I'm right and there's 3% inflation, 3% interest minus 3% inflation is zero. That's zero. They're offering you this loan essentially for zero out-of-pocket costs. Because just if you put it in something that keeps up with inflation, like your inventory, just if you put it in something that keeps up with inflation, you're, you're not paying anything for this. And to the extent that you have a use for these funds that is anything that pays any kind of return, above that 3%, you're well off to do it. So my recommendation is to is to take it out. Now, some people don't like debt, and I understand that. And you say to yourself, uh, my dislike of debt is such that I'd have to be not getting zero cost money, but negative cost money before I take it. Yeah, I understand that. And, and that's your, your personal preference. And then, of course, there may be some legal issues that people face. You may have some liens. You may have some other types of things. If you've got that, those funds that would simply be taken by your creditors or by uh, you know whoever you, whoever had those liens. And I understand why you wouldn't want to do that because um, now you borrowed that three hundred thousand dollars and it's been taken by your by the your creditors or some other kind of business or some sort of other kind of legal method, and and you would be uh, uh, left with a debt without without being able to use those funds to generate profits. So that would be a reason not to do it. Um, and you might be able to think of other reasons not to do it. You, know, you don't like debt. You have some legal issues that make it impractical to do it. But generally speaking, generally speaking, that's very low cost money. And there's and if you have even very modest things that pay a return that you could use that money for, I, I would. I would take out the loan. Okay. All right. There you go. So yes, do take out a giant loan. <laughs> well, I, well, Andrew, you know, you and I have been known each other for a long time since like you were uh, one minute old. Uh, in fact, maybe even younger. I think you were, you, you might, depending on how you measure these things, maybe you were minus a minute old when I first saw you. Yeah. Uh, so, so what advice did I give you uh, on taking out that loan? And that is my, to my own son, my advice is I would take it unless you have a really good reason not to. And that was the advice I gave you. So I did write down what you said because I was talking to my partner about it. And uh, from you, I have a quote that is, quote, well, of course you should take it. Why would you not? <laughs> right away you said that. <laughs> and then my father-in-law 
also said, wow, that's like free money. You should at least take up enough to cover inventory and just make sure to read all the terms, take it out and take time to figure out where to put it. Yeah. And, and, so and, and yeah. you should mention your father-in-law is a very successful businessman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That's good to know. So we're, we're not seeing hyperinflation. We may see sort of rapid, but not like crazy rapid, kind of like, like just a tick above normal inflation rates coming up. And uh, a lot of these things, a lot of the kind of the short term stuff, the week to week, month to month costs, we uh, is likely not to affect us as small business owners. We're likely to able to pass those on to our customers. And in terms of long term stuff, taking out debt is actually a good thing that inflation rate goes up, right? That's right. Because the higher the inflation, the cheaper the dollars you repay. And so if inflation is right, if you, if, you know, if inflation's at 3%, like I'm predicting, if inflation's at 3%, then that means a dollar a day is only worth 97 cents in a year. And so you're paying back those cheaper dollars. And that is, that's good news for borrowers and bad news for lenders. Perfect. Okay. That's our take on inflation. I, I do like, I, I asked everyone the same three questions. We've already asked you like several times these same questions, but in terms of inflation, so I, I always ask your big why, but if you want to hear about Professor Erickson's big why, we have lots of episodes on that already. If you want to just look in our archive and just type in Erickson or our uh, Professor Erickson or NMSU, New Mexico State University, all the episodes will pop up. We have one that is uh, episode 41 which is ask an economist, what is opportunity cost? And episode 42, fixed and marginal costs. What are those things? So very like, you know, technical economics things, but they're very applicable to us as business owners. But I do want to ask you, are there any books or any other resources that we, that you can point our audience to for inflation? Yeah, well, one of the books that I really like that talks about coming out of uh, deep financial crises and, and economic crises like we're in now is a book called This Time is Different. It is about 10 years old now, and it's by uh, Rogoff, and um, I don't remember the second author's name, but it's by Kenneth Rogoff is the first author on it. The, I actually remember the second author's first name is Carmen, but I can't remember her last name. That book, This Time is Different, is a very deep dive in the economic history about the causes and consequences and the process of recovery from um, from severe recessions like we're coming out of now. Um, and um, uh, when I say deep dive, I think it goes back to 1500 and, and moves forward from there. Also, International looks at Europe, United States, Latin America, all, all over the place. And I, I personally think that's the best single book on economics written this, this century. If you really want to go old school, uh, there's Milton Friedman's Economic History of the United States, and that's of Anna Schwartz. And like I said, that's really old school, but that talks about all these issues. And that's, again, sort of a historical background. And then if you want to do something a little bit more recent, you know, uh, Paul Krugman and Joseph Stiglitz are both Nobel laureates who talk about these issues, and they're, they're good to listen to. And then finally, you can do a Google search. You'll find this everywhere on modern monetary theory. If you do a Google search on that, you can find a lot on that. And that talks about a lot of the issues I've been talking about. Perfect. Okay. So we'll have all those things in the show notes. So uh, I think the easiest one would be modern monetary theory. I know there's a good wiki article on that. So that's a good <laughs> one to read. What's one actionable thing that Amazon sellers can do today related to inflation? 
Well, don't be afraid to pay higher costs because you're likely to be able to pass those higher costs on to your uh, consumers because higher inflation, everyone's raising their prices. That makes it easier for you to raise your prices. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Professor Erickson. Dad, I appreciate you being here. And uh, well, I'm sure we'll have Always you on many times, yeah, many times more in the future. Yeah. <laughs>